Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is a remix by Joe Newman of KK Bazaar from Animal Crossing, you might know. He calls it Bazaar Bazaar, Joe did. And this remix was done for Dwelling of Duels. Now, we've talked about Dwelling of Duels on Level before. It's a monthly anonymous video game remix, uh, music remix competition. And Joe has been making tracks for Dwelling of Duels for a couple of years, so we, we talk about that. Joe is a saxophone player, he plays all the saxophones. He also plays keys and sings. But he is not a musician by day. He's an attorney in the video games industry, which is fun. So we talk about that too and more. Join us on Discord. You'll find that link down in the show notes. Uh, head over to the YouTube channel to see my conversation with Joe and many other uh, composers and musicians. Subscribe and get notifications and give us a like. All of those wonderful youtube things. And if you can support us financially on Patreon, we would be so grateful. Patreon.com slash level. All right, here's Joe Newman. So my name is uh, Joe Newman. Uh, I sometimes go by Numa Joe online. Um, I play a bunch of... Uh, music. <laughs> uh, I'm in the the primarily known for video game music remixes. Um, so I play uh, saxophone. Uh, so all the different saxophones. I play some keys. I sing sometimes. I do a lot of arranging. Um, occasionally, rarely get to play on some game soundtracks. I'm trying to do more of that. But uh, I love to go to. Um, all of the gaming conventions. Uh, I didn't make VGM Con this year, but uh, I do. Uh, I, I love all those all those people. Yeah, yeah. How did you get into uh, doing? You know, recording your music, recording and and putting it out there. So for most of my musical career, I didn't. Um, so like I, um, so I studied music. I, I grew up in uh, the Bethesda, like DC area. And I, you know, studied performance um, and like jazz performance and was in a bunch of bands and things. But most of the time I was just doing live shows and, you know, gigging and usually as a sideman. Um, I didn't actually start putting out music seriously under my name until like maybe a couple of years ago, um, you know, when the pandemic hit. Mm. Um, and I met... Uh, this guy, Eric Beckman, um, who I'm sure I'm going to talk about a ton. Uh, he's, he's the drummer, uh, in Kirby's dream band and just an unbelievable producer. And, uh, we met through a random Facebook post, uh, where he was just looking for someone to play, uh, tenor on his album. And I said, sure. Um, and then we started talking and we started collaborating more and, uh, you know, we've been putting out tracks like almost every other, well, every, every couple months, maybe more. Um, it's just been really fun. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. he, you know, turned me on to a lot of the sort of producing at a distance, like remote, you know, just in your bedroom, mm -hmm. laying down tracks and collaborating with people who are all over the place. And that, that just was really fun. And that, that kind of inspired me to do a lot more of that stuff. Now, did you know about Dwelling of Duels because of him or because I know that you also? Okay, so tell us about that. Yeah, so um, Eric, I had no idea what it was before Eric uh, mentioned it to me. So for, for those who don't know, um, 
uh, Dueling of Duels is a, it's an online community. It's been around for almost 20 years now. Um, and it's a place, it's, it's a game music remix friendly competition. Um, so like at the beginning of the month, uh, they announce a theme. Um, it's like, you know, N64 months or Mario months or, you know, battle themes months. And everybody has, you know, the months to make a arrangement, um, you know, that fits that theme. And then we all listen to all the tracks uh, anonymously at the end of the month at a big listening party and we vote and, you know, the winners don't really get anything other than like bragging rights and, but, but it's a, it's an amazing community for getting like, for, for me personally, it's like, it forces you to actually finish things um, because like, you know, you have to get it done by deadline and it's once a month. Um, but then you also get, you know, this great feedback from the community. Everybody's encouraged to vote and, you know, give honest feedback and really constructive feedback, particularly on the production side, um, okay. which is I, I did not have production experience other than just messing around in logic and doing things by ear. Um, mm -hmm. But like actually learning how to use a compressor and EQ properly and like all of those sorts of things that um you know, when you're at home in the pandemic, you can devote a lot of time to to trying to get good at. Yeah. Um, I'm still trying. I'm not there yet, but I'm I'm you know fortunately working with Eric, who's like one of the best producers I've ever met. Uh, he's just yeah. incredible, so he makes me sound good. And then you know, and Tuck too, uh, Logan Tucker. Um, I, I I work with a lot of uh, really amazing producers. We you had Logan on uh, on a recent show. He's also an incredibly talented producer, and I love working with him because I just you know you know everything he produces sounds amazing. Yeah, he really seems to get it because it's funny to me. And I was talking um, with. Sam, who is the producer of this show, he does the mixing mm. and right. he and I were talking about, you know, how Logan's tracks just sound, sound really good. And, um, just how amazing it is that he, like you kind of picked that up over the pandemic. Well, I mean, mm. you didn't learn music over the pandemic, but you know what I mean? Like the production piece, he's just like, well, I just mm -hmm. looked for all these free tools and found all these things. And it's like, yeah, but you still have to get it and he gets it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I've, I've been able to produce a couple of tracks. I think one of the things that's very, you know, um, learning how much more complicated it is to record, uh, acoustic instruments and mix like live drums. Like that's still the bane of my existence. <laughs> I, I, well, I got an EWI also, around the time of the pandemic because it was like oh boy okay it's a digital instrument that i could yeah. you know yeah uh, can manipulate a little bit more easily in post yeah uh, i just got one um uh, but i'm Trump well i got a roland aerophone so oh, nice. so yeah, yeah. yes basically but i um I use brass fingerings on it because I'm a trumpet player. And right, I was right. like, I want to be able to play trumpet without playing my trumpet because trumpet hurts <laughs> And it's hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's loud yeah, yeah. and all the things. So, and saxophone is really loud too, which I don't think a lot of people realize how loud it is. But, um, but yeah, that's like it's like the perfect thing. And plus, I live in an apartment, and I just I I'm so I'm like, you still have to learn things, right? Like I don't know how exactly it is from saxophone to iwi, but you know the brass fingerings on iwi are still weird. Do you still? Oh, yeah. I, I still have. I'm having to like practice my scales and stuff, which is interesting. But anyway, that's an aside. I've I've really enjoyed no, it's, it. 
Yeah, I it's for yeah, I have I, I had my first kid around when I got the EV. So I had, I wanted okay. a saxophone I could practice with headphones because like oh, nice. it's very it's very loud. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, there's like a crazy learning curve. I mean it's not yeah. a huge learning curve. Like you you're able to do stuff, but one of the things you learn really quickly going from saxophone to EWI is that there's some things that are really easy to do on EWI. Yes. That sound really good on Iwi that are all impossible to do on saxophone. <laughs> and there are some things that are really easy to do on saxophone that are really hard to do on Iwi. Yes. And, and it just changes the, what you do and what your vocabulary is. Yeah. And it's just, it's really fun because you can do things that sound really impressive, but are actually super easy. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. I agree. Just, no, I'm just, I'm just moving my thumb. You know? Uh, exactly. Yeah. 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 No, I didn't have to practice seven years to be able to play this high on this instrument. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It just happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in that amount of time, Joe, you've had you've got a lot of music up online, and um, you know some some of it, like you said, um, is covers, remixes, video game stuff. But there's a lot of original music up there too, which I thought was really fun to hear. So, um, I guess talk to me about the role that music plays in your life, because I know from Logan Tucker and also from some of your um, notes that you write in your Bandcamp albums mm. that music is not your main gig. So talk to me about that and, and how you manage, uh, your like work music balance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, um, I, I'm a lawyer, uh, is, is my, my day job and I work in the games industry. I've worked in the games industry for most of my career. Okay. Um, so I, I, for a time I worked at EA in-house, uh, and then Ubisoft. And then I was at a law firm that did work with like all of the big, you know, like Tencent and, um, you know, Amazon and all those sorts of game companies and then a bunch of indies. And so now I'm at a small firm that also, you know, specializes in, in the games industry. And, um, for me, the, the music part has always been like a very, uh, active thing that I do that somehow always seems to bleed into what I do. Um, like when I was in law school, um, there was a, a judge, he was the, the chief judge of the federal circuit. Um, so I was in, in DC and, uh, long story short is he, he had his own band, uh, of, of lawyers and, uh, needed a saxophone player. It was like, nice. you know, like oldies, Rolling Stones, Beatles, you know, okay. yeah. covers. And so I got, uh, you know, sucked into his band and we toured. <laughs> And really? like, cause he was, a, yeah. And he is a judge. So he would get asked to play these conferences all over <laughs> the country. And he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll speak oh. at your conference on the condition that I get to bring my band and provide the entertainment. Amazing. Um, and, you know, we got, we played the house of blues in San Diego. Like we, <laughs> these were some of the most surreal experiences of my entire life playing for a crowds of like drunk IP lawyers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There was one where, no joke, uh, Mark Rivera 
joined us on stage randomly and I didn't know who it was. <laughs> and we, we played hotel California together in harmony. And then they were like, do you know who Mark, that was Mark Rivera. That's Billy Joel's saxophonist. And I'm like, Oh wow. Uh, okay, cool. I'm glad that I didn't mess up. <laughs> you know. But it was, you know, it's just absolutely bizarre how, you know, there's so many lawyers who are musicians and yeah. just, mm-hmm. and, and of course he then, he hired me as uh, I, I was clerking for him. And so that was like launched my legal career, uh, at least for a bit. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just very weird. Music has always been a thing that has bled into every aspect of my life. It's just been really um, fun. And, you know, I, I studied music. I grew up you know, playing, you know, in, in the high school sort of competitive music scene. So like that, Mm -hmm. that, that's hard to shake, Uh, you know, that, that, you know, going not, not whiplash, but also not, not whiplash kind of (laughs) like the, the high school jazz, you know, all state, you know, competition is, is pretty fierce. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, you know, once you're in that world, you never fully leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when you were in college, did you play? Mm-hmm. You did? Yeah, I was okay. a, yeah, I was a double major in music and English. Oh, you um, were. Okay. And yeah. then you did law school after that. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I tried to do, you know, the actual make it as a musician writer thing for oh, really? a year. Oh, okay. And then I went to law school. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I wondered um, what, if you, that was always your plan to not do music as a career, but it sounds like you, you gave it a go for a half a minute there. Yeah, well, so I I, I, I tell this story a lot, but I had a, a, a professor. Uh, I went to Wesleyan University for for undergrad, and um, I had a professor. He's still there. He's he's one of the wisest people I've ever met. His name is Noah Behrman. Um, he's a, a amazing jazz pianist. Just like I'll I'll still talk to him frequently. Like, uh, but I asked him like point blank. You know, when I was getting ready to graduate, like should I should I try and do music? Should I try and make this my career. And he was like, so I'll level with you. Um, you could like you, you, if you, you know, you, it's not, you're not held back by anything. You could be a professional gigging musician. Um, it doesn't actually require that much skill or talent to do that. Um, you just have to show up and know the parts and be able to play them and be a good hang. And, you know, (laughs) you know, that it's actually a relatively low bar to succeed as long as you get those basic things and you can read music and you can mm-hmm. show up and you, you know, don't complain. But he's yeah. like, but he's like, my advice is n- the only people who should make music their career are people who could not actually see themselves being happy doing anything else. Like if there's anything else that you could enjoy doing or or see yourself being happy doing, do that thing because you'll make money and you won't make money. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you, you won't have to necessarily deal with the um, emotional uh, stress of being an amazing musician and nobody cares. Um, right, yeah. Because he is an amazing, amazing musician. He's at a level yeah. well beyond any sort of pianist that you would go to see who isn't like, you know, Amad Jamal or some like, you know, um, but like, he was like the amount of effort that it takes to like, but 
any other jazz pianist could also fill up a bar and, you know, right. could, and, and he's like the amount of uh, effort that it takes to get to from professional to master to legend is exponential and fewer people notice. Um, yeah. And that wow. was a, that was a really, really wise thing. And like really kind of blew my mind open at the time. And I was like, yeah, I actually really like being a lawyer. I like working in video games. I like, mm-hmm. you know, doing consumer protection, which is a lot of what I do. Um, and, and like, yeah. And then I can work on the music and I don't have to worry about if it's going to make money because it usually doesn't. affinity for I would say Latin jazz but in particular Cuban rhythms I mm. hear a lot of so so talk to me about that yeah I don't I mean it's funny you last night I mean so so uh Logan and I and, and Eric who I mentioned we all just did this big um Rye Star arrangement for Dwelling of Duels yeah. um which is a big Brazilian um you know Latin big band kind of thing I I don't I don't know. I, I just really <laughs> like that. And, yeah. you know, and it's fun. I remember I saw uh, Pink Martini perform uh, yeah. live and they end their song, their set with Brazil and they get the whole dancers out there That's and like they do like a conga line. It's just so much fun and so groovy and um I just, I'm just, I, I don't know what kind of genres I'm drawn to, except that I really like music that is fun like that. And I yeah. really like, you know, for, for Dwelling of Duels specifically, like it tends to favor these big bombastic, flashy, splashy arrangements. And I feel yeah. like that is a really great, you know, fit for that particular audience, you know? Oh yeah. And, and, you know, that's one thing I notice in a lot of, well, music from that era, game music from that era is the energy and the kind of balls to the wall, like aspect of a lot of that, especially like yeah. Sonic, for instance, mm-hmm. is a great example. And your escape from Salsa City is fantastic. <laughs> Thank um, you. I Thank really you. loved that. So, so, um, talk to me about that track. That was, so that's, it's funny. I, I, you may be able to tell since I'm sure you can tell that the production <laughs> is really bad. Um, like, <laughs> The arrangement was really fun, but this was like from my messing around in Logic, not knowing what I was doing era. Yeah. Um, and it's like a lot of MIDI instruments that sound very cheap um, <laughs> because they are. They're just the MIDI instruments out of the box. Like the yeah. only you know live stuff is the saxophone. me that was like a really like that was a me messing around and like learning how I like to arrange things um 
and having a lot of fun with it. But man, I would love to do that again with like, you know, actual live instruments and like properly produced and, um, you know, with, uh, you know, the people that I've met in Dwelling of Duels because um, like that type of arrangement is just so much fun and I would love to yeah. do it live. I'd love to perform yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I come from, I did a lot of musical theater um, and I was just okay. talking with some, some friends about Schmigadoon and, and I realized, oh, like I actually, I, I'm, I'm a theater kid. Wow. I didn't realize. Um, but like no better place for a big showy, splashy, you know, showstopper numbers than like the world of musical theater. Right. Right. Um, yes. Yes. And so, you know, I think that influences a lot of my arranging strategy. One of your newest albums, if not your newest, is Joe Newman has joined your party. Mm-hmm. And you also did a separate one of all the stuff you couldn't get licenses to, which is super fun. I'm so glad you yeah. did that. Both albums are great. Um, Thank you. Just talk to me about these and um, putting them together. And I mean, because that's a lot of music, you know, so yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's um, basically with the exception of, I think, one track, everything on that album started life as a dwelling of duels track. Oh, cool. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so I had been doing Dwelling of Duels for like a little over two years, I think, maybe. Yeah, two, two and a half years. Um, and, you know, you do the songs, they do well or they don't do well, but you, you get your favorites. And, you know, I worked with all these collaborators and, you know, they don't have a life outside of DOD and we give them away all for free. Um, and as a lawyer who works in intellectual property, like it's very important to me that it's not a for-profit enterprise because <laughs> it's, it's otherwise it would probably be illegal. Um, and so I was like, well, you know, everybody who does Dwelling of Duelists, they do it for the fun of it, for, you know, the joy of making the music, for working with other people. Uh, nobody's in it to make money, but I was like, well, yeah, but I have this, you know, experience as a lawyer. I know how to get stuff licensed. Maybe I can try and, if not go legit, because I knew there were two tracks I couldn't license, but like, I'd like to be able to give some money back to both my collaborators, but also the the original composers, because, yeah. you know, like, they make this amazing music. And, mm-hmm. um you know, we, so I was just like, and, and also to give the, the music an, a slightly larger audience um, than it would. And, you know, Dwelling of Duels is a very small community. Yeah. Um, and um, also it was an excuse to go back and fix all the things that we couldn't fix before deadline. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that was one of the, like the, the running jokes is it's like deadline day, you have to, you know, to submit what you got. And then it's yeah. like, okay, we'll, we'll fix it for the album.
so yeah, so that was the the motivation behind it. Um, you know, I'm really glad that it, you know, happened. I, uh, you know, it didn't didn't make a lot of it didn't make any money. Um, but you know, it, we, I think we made twenty dollars. We broke even. Um, but you know, but we we got a lot of tunes out there. I was really thrilled that the album was was nominated for the Game Music Remix Awards, and then a bunch of the individual tracks got nominated too. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, yeah, it was super validating and really, you know, I'm most of all those tracks are collaborations. Like none of them are just me. Uh, they're all me working with my friends and, you know, mm. collaborators and dueling with duels. A lot of them aren't even my arrangements. Um, they're just tunes that I played on, felt that I had enough of an impact on that I could put my name on top of. Um, and I really was just, yeah, I, everybody who plays on that album like it's it's very much supposed to be like a a party and all the collaborators and everybody gets to you know shine in that Yeah, I mean, the energy and the vibe is so great. Like, you hit play and you're like, yeah, let's just, like, go to the beach (laughs) or something. You know, I just want to be, like, hanging out and having fun. It's just, it's like, it's good fun. And it sounds like everyone is just having a blast, which is hard to capture, you know? Yeah, when we're all stuck inside in the pandemic, too. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think that's, it's true and, and. Yeah, it's it was a, a ton of fun to make, and it is you know still a ton of fun. I think I really enjoyed listening to it, um, and you know it's it's not the only kind of music I make, but boy, is it fun to make! And yeah. it's you know, and when it is done, it's just really uh, I, I, I enjoy the listening party reactions, and you know when people hear it and they're like, oh wow, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So talk to me then about the, your style, you know, what kinds of um, jazz influenced you when you were learning about it. And um, I have my own theories listening to uh, the Wonder Weeks, but I'd, I'd love mm. to just know, I'd just love to hear you talk about that. Yeah, um, I, I'll, I will confess this is the question that kept me up at night for like all the whole week before the interview. Really? I don't know. I don't know how to answer it. <laughs> I've never known how that's to answer. That's a legit it's, answer. Yeah, that's it's legit. Because it it's like it, it my my answer is who's asking, right? Cuz like <laughs> when if you were to ask me what I was listening to when I was in like middle school and high school, I probably would have said like Weird Al. Like I would have right? said, yeah. you know, like I I REM. Yeah. yeah, or or like I had I had Oh, is that is that your yeah. for you? Well, that's, one of them. That's yeah. Great. But yeah, yeah I, not not I, jazz, yeah. Yeah, I had I had both I had all of the albums that were ever clear. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't well know done. why, but I, yeah. I I liked it, and and yeah. then I had uh, Headhunters by Herbie Hancock, and like those two things in the same you know CD <laughs> jack. I don't know, um, yeah. you know, I if if a jazz person asked me who my influences were, I would have my safe answers. I would say like Charlie Parker, Cannonball, yeah. uh, Stan Getz, you know, Paul Desmond, Jerry okay. Mulligan. 
Like I would give those answers and that would not be wrong. I love them. Right. Yeah. Um, but like I, you know, <clears throat> musical theater or, you know, yeah. or hip hop or, or, you know, Arturo Sandoval. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, one of the, it, it gives me great anxiety to talk about what my influences are because they change daily. Yeah. Um, but it is one of the nice things about doing the duels is that you just, everybody has different stuff and they're all super open-minded mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. um, I didn't think I was super into like 80s synth, but then like working with Logan, it's like, oh my God, this is so fun. <laughs> yeah. I I love it. And, you know, I love doing, you know, uh, the the super corny 80s, you know, yep. horn horn, we call it. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's like, it's fun. You know, you slap the reverb on it and it's just, it's really entertaining to do that genre of music and it's Mm -hmm. and and there's a lot of really valid musical expression in every genre right right maybe maybe a better way for me to ask that question because that does kind of put put you know the guest in a corner (laughs) a, a little bit but i i just you know when i i did the morning show on a jazz station for like four or five years and mm-hmm. when I took it over from the man who had done it for like 7,000 years before me, he, it was very clear with how the, um, the music programming software that like helps to lay out the radio schedule for the day, you always have to tinker, but you know, it's like, here's an idea for a playlist. And you're like, okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. fix all these things to the way I want to craft this sound. And it was very clear that his what he liked to listen to in jazz was very different than what I liked to listen to in jazz. Mm. And so he, you know, whatever he did is what he did. But I, you know, I was really into like, or I am really into like the fifties. I Mm. love the fifties. You know, I just love Ben Webster and Coleman Hawkins and I love Paul Desmond and I love that and early sixties. And and I also love the late sixties and the seventies and the eighties as well. But for the morning, I wanted the 50s. You know, so that's, I guess, mm-hmm. kind of what. Got it. Yeah. For, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that. I, that's a question I could definitely answer. Because yeah, I, yeah. I feel very strongly about that. And yes, there are just, you know, despite being a jazz musician, I do have strong feelings about the type of jazz that I like and don't like. Yes. And, um, Tell me about that. Yeah, well, because, you know, I the the easiest way to explain it is to get personal and to come back to the fact that I grew up in, you know, Bethesda, Maryland, in the competitive music jazz circuit. Sure. And when you are a high school student in a jazz band that is playing competitively, their good jazz is who can play giant steps the fastest, right? right? Like, yeah. and who can put in the most notes, who can add the mm-hmm. most substitutions. Um, yeah. There, some people talk about it being East Coast jazz versus West Coast jazz. But when I moved to California, I actually really did feel that. I felt like there was uh, an emphasis. Uh, I got away from adding lots of notes and lots of, you know, chaos to yeah. just really focusing on lyricism and, you know, right now like so like some one of my favorite saxophonists you know 
unsurprising, he's incredible, but Patrick Bartley Jr. So like, so good. So good. And, and one of the reasons that he's so good is yes, he can shred and yes, he can play a bazillion notes and yes, he has all that sophisticated Mm -hmm. jazz vocabulary, but he's got such a rhythmic sense and he's got such a, uh, ability to recontextualize and reuse phrases that I think in a lesser saxophonist hands might be corny, but like, but like these, just these blues lines that are just so expressive and soulful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's so inspiring to me to hear that because I, when you're in, you know, when, when you're taking lessons as a high school student, you learn the blues scale, but everybody plays the blues scale. And so it becomes corny to use the blues scale. So you don't use the blues scale anymore. And then you just do all this chromatic stuff. And it's like, no, the blues scale is great. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you can do, you know, all this amazing stuff with just, you know, within the major scale, finding interesting lines, finding different shapes, finding, mm-hmm. you know, um, kind of beauty in, in, in a line that you can actually sing. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, so that is something that absolutely informs everything I write in my compositions, my arrangements. Like I wanted that hummable quality to it, that ability, yeah. you know, you know, Patrick Bartley says this a lot. It's the saxophone is, is a vocal instrument. It's, it's mm-hmm. the most like singing. Um, and to get that same sort of, uh, approach to, to phrasing and to vocabulary, um, to me, that's, that's something that I, I am very con- conscious in trying to pursue. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings in the musical theater aspect of it too, doesn't it? Like, totally. Because again, that's the whole point is to get your message across with yeah. song. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, I think in the Wonder Weeks, like there's definitely um, a goal of like, these aren't necessarily the, like the flashiest, most like modern jazz, like it's a little bit more throwback, but it's more about getting an emotion across and getting a particular vibe across. makes the music stick in my head, which is why, you know, I hold on to it long enough to record it. Yeah. Uh, One of the things I I talked about with Logan, it's funny to be talking about Logan so much, Oh, but it was recent. Yeah, Um, no, well, he said all these (laughs) lovely things about me and I was like, oh man. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking Uh, about quotes in in music and the A-team quote that he put in one of his tunes and... um, you know, he mentioned that you do that a lot and, and I hear that a lot too in, in your music. And I know I miss a lot too, which is part of the fun. Right. But, um, I'm curious how that factors into your, you know, your songwriting and your improvising too. But, um, tell, tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think all saxophone players are just lousy with quotes. I think, <laughs> you know, every time I go to a jazz, so I, I do a, 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 I started recently a video game jazz jam here in the Bay area. Great. Um, Sweet. Uh, yeah, it was like, I've always wanted to do it. And um, we just had our second one on Sunday and, you nice. know, and, and saxophonists come and they 
quote like crazy because everybody <laughs> knows that you're going to get the quotes. Everyone knows that if you do, you know, the Pokemon theme, this is the one room where everyone's going to get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, quoting is one of those things where it's just, it is so playful and fun because once you, you, you throw it out there and then someone catches it and it's like, haha, you know, yeah. we, it, we're now connected. We're now we're best friends because you <laughs> caught my quote. Um, and like, you know, it's like in the Wonder Weeks, there's there's a the tune Olivia, um, which is uh, it's just Cedar Walton's Bolivia, but it's missing a beat. So that's why it's Olivia. just fun i just i get i get such a joy out of it and i um going back to my undergrad like so i actually did my senior thesis specifically on the topic of musical uh borrowing and plagiarism oh nice yeah so right up your alley from what i understand (laughs) yeah exactly well i i I did my thesis and and to do the thesis i i wrote a bunch of songs that were suspiciously like other songs but not quite um wow and and it was a deliberate sort of songwriting exercise to be like, well, what can I take from this the, without it just being a clone, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and for the the written portion of the thesis, I actually argued both sides. I pretended to be a lawyer for both, you know, the the plaintiff and the defense of like, no, this is this is the same song. This is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought at the time that my ultimate career path was going to be basically forensic musicologist you know like yeah yeah like the expert that they put up on the stand to tell you no blurred lines is totally a different song or um because like and and the sort of ultimate conclusion of the thesis was this is all really silly like because you know yeah there are some there's certain elements of copies but like as an expert you can totally argue both sides and you wouldn't be wrong um And, you know, for for me, you know, quoting and taking and, you know, it's the question is, how did you recontextualize it? It's did you take it just to do the thing or did you put it into a new context that somehow changes or puts your own spin on the thing? Um, and I, I try um, when I'm quoting to pick quotes that uh, are so left field or so different that they, you know, that they do recontextualize it um, or that they add some other layer of meaning. So like, um, I know I'm talking too much, but not at um, all. <laughs> um, so uh, a couple of months ago for uh, Mario Month in Dwelling of Duels, I did um, a song called The Little Girl and the Star, um, which was uh, a, a saxophone quartet and um, guitar string sort of chamber music thing with an audiobook. It was designed to be like a Disney audiobook. We we read 
uh, we had a, our friend Michelle, she, she read the story from Super Mario Galaxy of like the little storybook that they read and yeah. we scored it like it was like a Disney musical. Love it. Um, and it was, it was so much fun. And, and it was like, we knew it was going to do badly in Dwelling of Duels. It's like not, not the scene for it, but we just really <laughs> wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so we're, we're doing like the, the sax soli section. And of course I have to, um, put in a quote of I love Lucy because that's the name of my daughter. Um, <laughs> Perfect. And so of course I throw in, I love Lucy there and you can hear it in the wonder weeks. I throw, I use that quote a lot, a little bit more subtle, but my second daughter's name is Sadie. So I put um, sister Sadie. Um, oh yeah. But that's in there too. It's a awesome. little bit more subtle, but um, I love that tune. Um, is Cedar Wall or Horace Silver? Sister Sadie. Sister Sadie. That's yeah. I can't remember if that's Horace Silver. It sounds like Horace Silver to me. I gotta, I gotta look it up, or else yeah, look it up. The Jazz Police is gonna come after me. I'll put it in here. Me too. Yeah, I'll put it in here. Oh no, I don't have the. It's one of those. It's, Let me look it up. I think it's, it I think it's Cedar Walton. I'll look it up. It's Horace Silver. Horace Silver. Dang it. Nineteen fifty nine. I love yeah. Horace Silver too. That's that's another one of my go tos, especially if Blue yeah. Mitchell's on the album. But yeah. totally. Oh well, I was thinking of Cedar Walton because of Bolivia. That's why. Mm. Oh well. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, take away my jazz card. No, I screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging up the call. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know the Wonder Weeks, which is you know jazz originals. Um, uh, is very, you know, small ensemble, like little small jazz combo situation. And then, uh, you know, the album we were talking about earlier, Joe Neum Newman is joined your party. Those are much bigger arrangements. Like, you know, everybody's invited. Um, yeah. so what do you like about, uh, both, you know, like having the whole gang together? And I know that a lot of it's recorded remotely, but you know what I mean? I'm just curious what you like about both styles. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. I, um, it wasn't, I think it was just all driven by the pandemic. So like the Wonder Weeks was, um, Oh, okay. It was, it was all recorded live in person, like literally the, the day that the album release party was going to happen was shelter in place. So like the, it was the last thing that we all got to do before we all had to go inside. Okay. Um, and I don't, and so, and then that's when I got turned on to Dwelling of Duels. And then, then, you know, when you're recording remotely and you have unlimited takes to do stuff, it just lends itself to a different type of, you know, you can actually try things that you wouldn't attempt live. Like a lot of the things in that, in the Join Your Party album, I would never attempt live because they're too hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you can do punch-ins and you can do, um, you know, unlimited take, particularly like the Altissimo Screamy stuff, like... I, you know, you can just sit there and try as many times to get it in tune and all that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I did miss, you know, live performance, uh, as I'm sure, you know, everybody did. And so, and, you know, so that's what part of why I started the, the jazz jam here in the Bay area. 
um, you know, just missing the the live experience of playing with people and riffing and quoting and doing mm-hmm. all that stuff in real time. Like, um, yeah, I think, I think you kind of need to do both of it. I think it's, I was also worried that my skills as a live improviser were really atrophying because I oh. had so many to, um, yeah. so I had to get, I, you know, I wanted to get back into it. And, um, so yeah, I, I, I like all of it. I think it's now it's just a question of who's around and who's available and who can I play with and, and sort of bounce ideas off of. And how about gaming? Like, tell me about your life as a gamer, Joe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as long as I can remember, my first console was a Game Boy. Um, okay. You know, my parents got it for me. We, we would drive. My family's from Shaker Heights, Ohio. So um, we would drive from D.C. area to Cleveland multiple times a year. And it was like a six plus hour car ride. And, you know, I didn't mind because I had my Game Boy. Um, And that's where I, you know, got introduced to so many games and, um, you know, like Link's Awakening and, you know, first Metroid 2, Pokemon, um, all the Mario games. And yeah, I mean, and then, then of course I had to get an N64 and, and then I was like one of the few people who's like really into the Dreamcast. I never had a, a Genesis, <laughs> but like I really got into the Dreamcast partially because there was a really good magazine, the official Dreamcast magazine um, that I subscribed to. And again, this is jumping around a bit, but like when I graduated um, college, my first job when I was trying to make it as the writer musician, yeah, yeah. it was at Future US. That's the pu- uh, company that publishes, Amazing. The, <laughs> used to publish the Dreamcast magazine. So that was part of the journey. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I've just always loved games. It's always been a huge um, part of just how I spend my day and how I relate to people. And, you know, growing up in Bethesda, I was right there for MAGFest, like yeah. discovering it. I it is so responsible for shaping me both as a musician, as a professional. I didn't even, you know, really think that like you could do work in the games industry. It seemed like something that was not available to a person in Bethesda, mm. despite Bethesda right? software. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, uh, you know, it just to, to see that community and to go to my first, you know, video game jazz jam in like 2008 or something wow. and like and and people would call song of storms and i knew it and i didn't need the sheet music because i just you know was yeah. that that kid who was just quoting song of storms in my high school oh yeah my high school uh competitive jazz ensemble did not like all of my video game playing. <laughs> that was a it was a point of contention really um, yeah yeah well i i should say so again i to, I went to an incredibly competitive high school. There's actually a book written about my class year oh, uh, wow. by Ale- Alexander Robbins called The Overachievers about mm-hmm. just how ridiculously toxic and over the top the achievement oriented wow. like public schools because everybody was like a politician or like, you know, it, it was a very, you know, affluent, high class mm-hmm. public school. And so, yeah, being in... Um, the the jazz ensemble for there and like competing i was in a saxophone section with two identical twin brothers who were the sons of a georgetown music professor um who were both saxophone players 
they played better in high school than I have ever played in my life. They are, they were unbelievable prodigies. Um, They were identical twins too. So it was like they would trade fours and they would finish each other's musical sentences. It was a huge thing. Wow. They got the two slots for saxophone and Juilliard. They played, you know, like they they went on. They're they're now part of uh, the Nighthawks, the Vince uh, Giordano's okay. group. Yeah. So like they, yeah, absolutely, you know, incredible, stellar, um, wow. jazz musicians. And so I was like, oh, I get to be with you. Yeah. <laughs> and my yeah. band director was like, you're not gonna, no, you're not gonna play alto or tenor. We're gonna put you on Barry. Uh, you're gonna be. <laughs> And and I was like carrying around a Barry saxophone that was as big as I was as yeah. a high schooler, and I'll tell you, I I I was you know a little salty at the time, but like I love the Barry saxophone. It's and so great. What a what an amazing instrument to to learn how to be interesting without playing a lot of notes. Right? Yes, yeah, because you can't. Just, yeah, it's just too muddy and hard. Right. So <laughs> yeah. so. Playing Barry actually ultimately ended up really shaping my approach to like playing simpler rhythmic stuff and, you know, more interesting melodic phrases and using all of the sort of rhythmic tools and getting away from 16th notes. Um, So that um, blessing and a curse, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So, you know, you've got a career and a family. Uh, How much gaming happens these days? Uh, <laughs> more than you might think, but not <laughs> like, I mean, cause I, you know, when I have small kids mm-hmm. and you know, you, you can't go out that often, you know, True. Yeah. um, yeah. and so, you know, you're, you're home inside and the switch is right there or, you know, I got a steam deck. Um, nice. I've definitely changed the type of games that I play. Um, okay. I don't, I don't do the long RPGs anymore. I do, sure. you know. Um, I play a lot of like roguelikes, but like, um, you know, Lucy loves Kirby. And so like, we get to play that together and awesome. you know, that's really amazing to me. Um, and I'm sure we'll do more of that when she's old enough. I think we'll try like Mario 3d world and my wife and I play games together too. And, um, again, changes the type of games has changed a lot. Um, but, uh, you still, you know, you can still sneak in a, an hour or two of, of game time. And there's just so much good stuff out there. There's so many yeah. games. Like, like I was so uh, uh, honored and blown away. So like I, Celeste is like one of my all time, oh. like favorite games of all time. And then um, when I did, you, you mentioned Escape from Salsa City, yeah. which was up for a game music re- remix award. And Lena Rain was the judge. Um, okay. I was devastated that she heard my thing. Um, I was so embarrassed. It's like, oh my God, my you heard my terrible MIDI thing. Oh, no. um, but she was so nice and she, you know, she signed my switch and, you know, awesome. it, was, it was just a really, really lovely and, and inspiring because the people making music today are just so talented and so interesting. And there's yep. so many opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. The music, the music in games is so much more interesting. Well, it's, it can't, it, it, there are there are some really good game composers out there today.
well, what more do you want to say, Joe, about, um, you know, just you and your music? What are you working on now? I mean, I know as far as Dwelling of Duels, you really can't say much, but uh, what, do you, what do you got up your sleeve musically? Um, it's a good question. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I really want to, um, support, uh, Logan cause he's just such an unbelievable, wonderful, warm, loving person. Mm. He's just such a dear friend. I'm glad that I got to meet him in, in real space and, and, you know, our, our families hang out. He also has two daughters and, you know, uh, again, he said all these nice things about me, so I'm going to say nice things about him. Um, but he's just he's just such a wonderful person and, you know, uh, role model for me as a father, frankly, because his kids are older. Um, and I want to support him. And I know he's going to try and put out an album, um, like more serious one, kind of like what I did of compilations of DOD tunes and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, the DOD anniversary, uh, like the 20th yes. anniversary, is this September and I am planning something extremely ambitious for that. Um, that is going to be a lot, a lot of fun. I'm hoping it's dependent on who I can get involved in it, but that, that is on the horizon. And I'm, I'm been, been humming that tune to myself most days because I'm very excited about it. Um, but then beyond that, I don't know, I'm, I'm doing this VGM jazz jam. I'm really, you know, thrilled that, we have people coming to it. Um, we're going to be playing at MagWest and running a jam at MagWest. Oh, cool. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can continue to bring it to other, you know, conventions. And for me, you know, I know I'm never going to be the the best saxophone player, or best musician in the room. That's for the Juilliard twins. But like... <laughs> For me, I really like as I get older, the, I I really want to do more of like educational, like running jams, bringing up the next generation of you know musicians, and sort of giving them what I didn't necessarily have, which was like a, a space to do all your silly video game quotes, and we'll love it, and like <laughs> you know, and a, you know, really helping to. Legitimize is a very loaded word, so I'm not going to use it, but like to bring this music to the broader um, community of both, you know, younger jazz musicians and older jazz musicians, like what's the most incredible thing for me is that for both of these jazz jams that I ran, we had people sit in with us who had never played a video game. Oh, like they just, cool. they, and like incredible, incredible jazz musicians who just heard that there was a really good jazz jam <laughs> with this new different real book that they had never heard. Um, and that has been like, incre- like you can have a debate about whether or not we need to make this music accessible to non video game people. But for me, it's so cool when yeah. someone who has never heard of Kirby comes and jams on green greens and just brings the house down. And he's like, I got to listen to this stuff. I got to, I got to learn this music. It's so cool. So yeah, if I long-term, you know, I'll probably do dwelling of duels until, you know, I can't anymore, but I really, really got excited about being this ambassador type, Mm -hmm. you know, role for, the next generation because it didn't exist when I was, you know, learning this music. Um, and so what, what a cool, you know, way to have an impact on the community, creating a scene, you know, and 
something that someone else can run someday when I'm too old. Uh, for folks who are uh, live out there, what? How do they find out more information about that? Yeah, great. Uh, thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> so we've got a. Um, it's the, the we're working on a better name, but right now it's the Bay Area VGM Jazz Jam. Um, we have our own Discord server. Um, it's the first Sunday of every month at the Ocean Ale House, uh, which is in San Francisco, like Southern San Francisco. Um, we're, we're trying to do more promotion. Again, we've only done two of these, but they've been really fun. Awesome. Uh, and yeah, it's just, uh, I, I heard somebody else is creating another jazz jam potentially in San, San Jose. There's one potentially popping up in North Carolina, I think certainly get in touch with me if you want advice on how to run one of these things or I'll just show up at your jam and, you know, <laughs> play the Mario Kart lick and then run out. And, yeah. You know. um, but yeah, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I can share the, our discord, but yeah, we, we're okay. just uh, trying to build it up and, and create a, a fun space for, for other musicians. Well, Joe Newman, thank you so much. It was just a great joy to to find your music and i can't wait to hear what else you're gonna put out there for us all to hear so thanks so much for your time thank you very much i appreciate it this is is a lot of fun and and an honor to be on this on this podcast Thanks for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Joe Newman, see a playlist and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of my chat with Joe on the Level with Emily YouTube channel. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you'll get all of our new videos of interviews, uh, which is a good thing. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Kanan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. That's what I call my e-mouth. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.